Anita Heiss is one of Australia's most accomplished and prolific First Nations writers, a Wiradjuri woman. She's also an ambassador for the Indigenous Literacy Foundation and a strong human rights advocate. Her recent books are Am I Black Enough For You and Bila Yarradangalangdere. But an earlier book, Titters, which was released in 2014, is about to come to life on the stage. Anita has become one of our favourite regulars here on Speaking Out. Welcome back, Anita. Thank you for having me. I feel like I should be sponsoring this show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We love having you. Now, the last time you were here, we were celebrating the updated edition of Am I Black Enough For You? What's the response been? Oh, it's been overwhelmingly positive, Larissa. I think um, it is all about timing for a whole lot of things in our society. We've just seen you know, the change of government and a, a real swing towards a support for the Larue Statement, and I think it is about timing. And um, Am I Black Enough for You, as you know, came out 10 years ago, and I think the readership and the interest in our conversations and conversations that are led by us as First Nations peoples has grown incredibly, particularly in the last few years. So I'm really happy to see that so many, um, not just mob, because it's not of us, not not enough of us to sustain any publishing venture, but um, non-Indigenous Australians are really taking to the book and reading and thinking and engaging about the themes and and topics that are discussed within it. Your last novel, Biliara Dangalangdere, has also been nominated for several more awards after winning the New South Wales Premier's Indigenous Writing Prize, most recently, of course, shortlisted in the Queensland Premier's Literary Awards. Now, obviously, lots of accolades for the book, but what's been the response from the community to it? Oh, do you know, my, just in the writing process and the research process for that novel, the entire time, my anxiety is is all around community response because, you know, that's who I write for. I'm a member of, you know, particularly Wiradjuri, my own community, but, you know, the broader Australian First Nations community and an international Indigenous community. And at the end of the day, my concerns and my desires about that book and getting it right really falls at the the hands and the feet of my elders and they are just happy with everything and I have their support they're at every event I do down there on country and so you know it's been great I again have been completely overwhelmed at how positive that was received and I guess I guess that says more about me and my the lack of trust that I have in myself always anxious about getting it right for for mob We are here to talk about your upcoming adaptation of your other books to the stage, and that is Titters. Now, your body of work traverses many genres and targets many age groups, but I think it's fair to say you were a pioneer in writing commercial women's fiction from a First Nations perspective. And Titters, which is a story about a group of friends who regularly meet in a book club, falls into this category. Just before we get into the book itself, why was it so important for you that this was a space where you needed to break barriers down? Because I never saw women like myself or you or the Terry Jankies or the Robin Quiggins of the world in Australian literature, in the novels that I read. I mean, I read, you know, a lot of most of my friends and um, deadly um, non-Indigenous authors that I admire and respect and love and who were my friends, but I never saw women like us who went to university, who um, have careers, but also an accountability to our community and participate 
at a grassroots level every day, I never saw women like us portrayed in the Australian literary landscape. And that's really why I started writing back. The first book came out in 2007 and that was a not meeting Mr. Right. And I think what I learned from that was there were so many women like me who wanted to read about women like myself and my friends and the women that are in my life on a day-to-day basis, my aunties, my cousins, my sisters and so forth. Um, And so there was this huge gap and that's why I started in the space. Well, I think you've paved the way for others to more comfortably go into that space. And I love that in your body of work, there's a little bit of something for everyone. You've written children's books. Of course, you've written the highly literary books that win all the literary awards, but you also uh, tell stories that have a really big popular appeal. Now, I gave a little hint of what Titters was about, but Mm -hmm. from your perspective, how do you describe the storyline of the book? It's really about the... It's, I like to call it a, um, a story of contemporary sisterhood and, and a love letter to Brisbane. So it's five women friends who um, grew up in Mudgee. They, they grew up as young teenagers in Mudgee. Three were age women and two um, non-Indigenous women. And over the course of their 20s, they moved to Brisbane. They have very Each one of them has a very different career in life. Um, but they come together, as you mentioned earlier, they come together in a book club, as, as as in many book clubs, particularly women come together to discuss a book, but it's really also an opportunity to talk about love and life and relationships and careers and children and to find support, particularly during difficult times in life. And so I wanted to, I used the book club as a springboard to, you know, each month there's a different book. Um, we have Malambimbi by Melissa Lucas. We have Legacy by Larissa Brandt. We have The Boundary by Nicole Watson and a whole range of other books. And so the book is an introduction then to speak about greater issues in our community, in society at large, but also in the women's personal lives, which is what happens, you know, often in book clubs anyway. So I just wanted to, I wanted to talk about how we as women navigate lifelong friendships. You and I have been friends for 35 years. Since um, we were about two. <laughs> since we were embryos. Um, and so I think, you know, you look across, you know, a life's journey and, we, you know, friends, people we hold close to us, there's unconditional love and friendship. doesn't mean we always agree on every single political action or item or theme or worldview, but how do we navigate those moments and how do we display every day a sense of sisterhood and support? And I just wanted to look at that and I wanted to pay tribute to the incredible women in, in my world while also saying that Brisbane is this incredible city that I think because I was a southerner and didn't realise and we don't, I don't think the southern states realise that this city is um, just wonderful in terms of the power and the peacefulness of the river, even with the floods, um, and that Mianjin, um has a cultural precinct that has something for everyone. So I really wanted to do both both of those things, tribute to my friends and sisterhood and also this love letter to Brisbane. Well, of course, you also do another thing that I think is a real hallmark of your style and grace, and that is support other authors by showcasing them in the book club. How did this book of yours come to be adapted to the stage? Well, it's a good question, Larissa, because, you know, I never, ever, ever had any aspirations to write for the stage. 
Um, and I sat down with Nadine McDonald-Dowd, who was then an artistic director at QPAC here in Brisbane. And uh, we'd known each other for 20 years since she was previously at uh, Coimbra Jadara. Um, and then she sat down and said, Anita, you know, we're going to partnership with La Boite. Would you be interested in, in adapting Titters? Because it's a very Brisbane story and they're Brisbane theatres, of course. And I thought, I don't know if I had the capacity to do that, but I'd like to give it a, a go. It was quite a challenging process. So we, we went into a process of me, you know, learning how to adapt the novel to the stage, which I think in many ways is easier than just trying to start from scratch because pretty much I just had to turn it into dialogue and make that sound easy. It was it was quite challenging. But um, and then I so I had son uh, had Sonia Simic, who was a creative producer from La Boite and Medine, who was my dramaturg. And then of course COVID hit and we didn't imagine we would get this up till 2045. And so we went through a couple of years of doing a lot of work on Zoom. We did reads with people like Justine Clark and Kylie Bracknell and Shari Sevens who would Zoom in from their, wherever they were in the country. And um, I'd be in, in the studio over there at La Boite at Kelvin Grove. And, and now we are currently in rehearsals. And to see, have, you know, from the moment I had the conversation with Nadine in November of 2019 until now, it's quite extraordinary. And today I was at the theatre and I watched another read of hopefully the final script of the play and just watching all the actors including um, Annie Roxanne McDonald, Roxanne McDonald, um, watching them absolutely live their characters and love their characters and bring it to life is just extraordinary. Has it made you think differently about the book now that you've had to go in and adapt it? You must be re-engaging with it so intimately. It's made me, you're right, it's made me, now that you've asked and watching it, we workshop you know, the different scenes and characters and watching the actors, watching the actors learn the backstory to the characters has made me think more deeply about each of the characters and there's five main characters, um, Veronica, Ellen, oh, what are their names? Oh, my God, Veronica, Xanthi, Xanthi, Isabel and Nadine and it's made me think more deeply about how they feel, how they think, how they act, the impact of their actions, um, just watching the actors and me just sitting back and listening for a change and just actually absorbing their, um, their presentation and their performance of the, of, of the characters. And you also what I'd learned is you had, uh, at one point, like I had I kept bringing the novel into the workshops for the, for the script and I had to learn that it was okay to deviate from the original story, that I could create some new material, that I could, you know, build, you know, more storyline and so forth. So that was difficult because you, as, like you, as a novelist, you would know this, you're so tied to the original story and the original concept and you know what the characters think and feel and that's how and you, you expect everybody else to, but they don't because people read differently. We have no control when we put something into the public domain as to how audiences will react. And it's interesting. So I'm sitting there watching the read today and I was thinking, I know black women will laugh their heads off and they will cry in certain places. But equally, I know there'll be a lot of people who won't get the jokes and, but you can't, you, you know, you just write what you write and you hope that everybody gets something. And I was going to ask you what you're hoping that audiences will take from it. And does that differ from what you were hoping they would take from the book? 
Well, I think a live audience obviously is very different to someone lying in bed or at the beach or on the bath or the train reading your novel. I, what I would like, I would, I think what I would like audience members to take away is a feeling. I want them to have felt something. I want them to have felt empathy. There's some some dramatic moments that will make people choke up, if not cry. I want them to feel empathy for those moments, for those characters. I'd like them to feel the the love and the joy that each of those women have for each other at particular moments as well. And I hope that everyone in the audience recognises in one of the characters themselves and or one of their BFFs, one of their own titters. I hope they can see some of the characteristics of the women that will be, that share their life. And I mean, there'll be a lot of men in the audience. So there's, there are some male characters all played by the one actor, Sean Dow. So I'll be interested to see how men react to this play as well, because it's a very, obviously it's a female story. I know of quite a few uh, friends from Sydney who are planning to go up to see the performance in Brisbane. Is there any chance this might travel to other states? We have our fingers crossed. Uh, The Sydney Festival have read the script and verbally have said they love it. So let's fingers crossed for 2024. There is an artistic director coming up to one of the shows um, from Wagga and I've had um, an email from another regional centre. So, you know, I'd love... I need to be honest with you. I never expected that I need a high school to have a play on any stage, let alone at the Brisbane Festival. So anything under the, that's already a big thing. So anything other than that is a bonus. But, you know, of course we want to see it on Broadway, Larissa. I, I can't imagine why that isn't already happening. <laughs> Just while we've got you, we've got a couple of other questions for you. Of yeah. course, we recently lost our beloved songman, Uncle Archie Roach. Yes. And you put the most beautiful words out on Twitter. But what were your reflections on this great storyteller? Oh, just the absolute generosity of spirit, the warmth and the kindness. And I read Uncle Archie's autobiography and I thought this man, this story, it's a gift and it's so raw and his words on that page, those pages, Will, will, I believe, will stay with everybody. So if people haven't read it, please read it. will stay with you just like the sound of his voice. I mean, Uncle Archie had a voice like no other that we that we could think of, that I can think of, and I just think it's a monumental loss and yet his legacy will live on with every single time that one of his songs is played. And I'll never forget in the 90s, you know, uh, took the children away, had not long been out, and I remember every time I heard that song, I felt this pang of guilt for being so lucky um, and so fortunate. And it was a reminder also, I think, for blackfellas to that we feel these things that non-Indigenous people will never understand and will never imagine is part of anybody else's reality. And I think his gift to the nation is immeasurable in terms of his, his storytelling, whether it's on the page or whether it was in song. Made me feel quite emotional just listening to you celebrate this wonderful man. We've seen a significant progression of the possibility of a referendum on a voice to parliament under the Albanese government. And what's, from your perspective, the role of the artist or the storyteller at this time in our history? Larissa, I think we just keep doing what we've been doing um, since time immemorial, and that is just continuing to use our art practices whether it's dance or song or um, storytelling in the written form or oral form, that we just keep telling our stories our ways 
continuing with our truths and using every platform that we have to ensuring that we are represented everywhere we should be represented. Anita, thank you so much for spending time with us again on Speaking Out. Thank you for having me. Anita Heiss is an author, literacy ambassador and a human rights advocate. And you can find out more about her writing and her work on her website, anitaheiss.com. Titters will be staged at Le Bois Theatre in Brisbane from the 5th to the 27th of September. And we have our fingers crossed it makes its way to other states and to Broadway.